part one chapters six and seven of bessie's fortune by mary jane holmes this librivox recording is in the public domain six miss betsy macpherson the table was laid in the large dining-room which faced the south and whose long french windows looked into the terraced flower-garden and upon the evergreens fashioned after those in the park at versailles when alone lucy took all her meals in the pleasant little breakfast-room where only two pictures hung upon the wall and both of robin one taken in all his infantile beauty when he was two years old and the other at the age of fourteen after the lovely blue eyes which smiled so brightly upon you from the first canvas were darkened for ever and the eyelids were closed over them this was lucy's favourite room for there robin seemed nearer to her but geraldine did not like it it was like attending a funeral all the time she said and so though it was quite large enough to accommodate her thanksgiving guests lucy had ordered the dinner to be served in the larger room which looked very warm and cheerful with the crimson hangings at the windows and the bright fire on the hearth after having regaled herself with a glass of sherry a biscuit a piece of sponge-cake and some fruit mrs geraldine had descended to the dining-room to see a new rug of which lucy had told her glancing at the table which was glittering with china and glass and silver she began counting one two three four five six places you surely did not expect burton's father lucy flushed a little as she replied oh no the sixth place is for miss macpherson miss macpherson what possessed you to invite her i detest her with her sharp tongue and prying ways why she is positively rude at times and exasperates me so geraldine said angrily and her sister rejoined i know she is peculiar and outspoken but at heart she is true as steel and i thought she would be very lonely taking her thanksgiving dinner alone and then she will be glad to see you and inquire about her brother's family whom she knows you met abroad yes we spent a week with her brother the honourable john macpherson and his wife lady jane at the house of captain smithers in middlesex miss macpherson is at least well connected geraldine said mollified at once as she recalled her intimacy with lady jane macpherson to be acquainted with a titled lady was in her opinion something to be proud of and since her return from europe she had wearied and disgusted her friends with her frequent allusions to lady jane and her visit to penwyn park where she had met her and miss macpherson was her sister-in-law and on that account she must be tolerated and treated at least with a show of friendship so when she heard she had arrived she went to meet her with a good deal of gush and demonstration which however did not in the least mislead the lady with regard to her real sentiments for she and geraldine had always been at odds and from the very nature of things there could be no real sympathy between the fashionable lady of society whose life was all a deception and the blunt outspoken woman who called a spade a spade and whose rule of action was as she expressed it the naked truth and nothing but the naked truth had she worn false teeth and supposed any one thought them natural she would at once have taken them out to show that they were not and as to false hair and frizzes and powder and all the many devices used as she said to build a woman she abominated them and preferred to be just what the lord had made her without any attempt to improve upon his work once lucy gray had asked her why she did not call herself elizabeth or lizzie instead of betsy which was so old-fashioned and she had retorted sharply that though of all names upon earth she thought betsy the worst it was given to her by her sponsors in baptism and betsy she would remain to the day of her death she was tall and angular with large features sharp nose and little bright black bead-like eyes which seemed to look you through and read your most secret thoughts as her name indicated she was of scotch descent 
indeed her grandfather was scotch by birth but he had moved into england where her father and mother and herself were born so that she called herself english though she gloried in her scotch blood and her scotch face which was unmistakable after her birth her father had bought a place in bangor wales which he called stoneleigh and there her two brothers hugh and john were born and her parents had died she had come alone to ellington when comparatively young and settling down quietly had for a time watched closely the habits of the people around her and posted herself thoroughly with regard to the workings and institutions of a republic and then she adopted them heartily and became an out-and-out american and only lamented that she could not vote and take part in the politics of the country of her past life she never spoke and of her family seldom her father and mother were dead she had two brothers both well enough in their way but wholly unlike each other she had once told lucy gray whom she had always liked and with whom she was more intimate than with any one else in allington unless it were hannah gerald although very proud of her family name and family blood she was no boaster and no one in allington would ever have known that one of her brothers had been in parliament and that his wife was a lady jane trevelyan if chance had not thrown them in the way of mrs geraldine once and only once had she returned to her native land and that two or three years before our story opens then she had been absent three or four months and when she returned to allington she seemed grimmer and sterner than ever and more intolerant of everything which did not savour of the naked truth and yet as lucy gray had said of her to her sister she was true as steel to her friends and at heart was one of the kindest and best of women and with the exception of miss lucy gray no one in allington was found so often in the houses of the poor as she and though she rebuked sharply when it was necessary and told them they were dirty and shiftless when they were she made her kindness felt in so many ways that she was if possible more popular than lucy herself for while lucy only gave them money and sympathy she helped them with her hands and if necessary swept their floors and washed their faces and made their beds and sometimes took their children home and kept them with her for days such was miss betsy mcpherson who as she is to figure conspicuously in this story merits this introduction to the reader and who in her black silk of a dozen years old with a long heavy gold chain around her neck and a cap fashioned after the english style upon her head stood up very tall and stiff to receive mrs geraldine but did not bend her head when she saw it was that lady's intention to kiss her i know she would as soon kiss a piece of sole leather as me and i would rather kiss a flour barrel than that powdered face was her thought and so she only gave her hand to mrs gerald who told her how glad she was to see her and how much she was pleased with her brother the honourable john mcpherson and his charming wife the lady jane why have you never spoken of them to us i should be proud of such relatives she said and miss mcpherson replied huh what's the use i'm no better no worse for them just then the sound of bells was heard and hannah and gray came in and were received most cordially by miss mcpherson who unbent to them as she had not done to the boston lady indeed there was something even tender in her voice as she spoke to hannah and inquired after her father then turning to gray she laid one hand on his head and taking his chin in the other looked searchingly in his face as she said i wonder if you are the same boy i used to like so much or has a trip to europe spoiled you as it does so many americans not a bit of it gray answered merrily europe is grand europe is beautiful but she is very old and i like young america better with her freedom and her go-ahead even if she is not as intensely respectable and dignified as her mother across the water 
the dinner-bell here put an end to the conversation and lucy preceded her guest to the dining-room followed by her brother who had been more than usually affectionate in his greeting to his sister whom he took in to dinner while gray escorted his mother and miss macpherson seven the dinner at which bessie is introduced the soup and fish had been served and during the interval while mr gerald carved the big turkey which hannah had contributed and which she had fattened all the summer in anticipation of gray's return and this very dinner mrs geraldine took occasion to introduce her favourite subject of conversation europe and its customs which she thought so infinitely superior to those this side the water Umph! ejaculated miss macpherson with an upward toss of the chin then turning to gray she said and did you too like all the foreign habits no indeed was gray's reply just thinking of having your coffee and roll brought to you in the morning while you are in bed and eating it in the smelling room without washing your hands and then going to sleep again that is what i call very narsty as the english say though they do not use the word in that sense you forget that miss macpherson is english mrs gerald said and the lady in question at once rejoined never mind i do not believe in spoiling a story for relation's sake or country's either and i fully agree with gray that the continental habit of breakfasting in bed with unwashed face and hands is a very nasty one in the american sense of the word i never did it and never would you have been on the continent then mr gerald asked and instantly there came upon miss macpherson's face an expression of bitter pain as if some sad memory had been stirred then quickly recovering herself she answered yes i was at school in paris a year and travelled another year all over switzerland germany and italy it may seem strange to gray who probably cannot realize that i was ever young to know that i too have my alpenstock as a voucher for the mountains i have climbed and the chasms i have crossed did you go to monte carlo the question was addressed to gray who replied yes we were there four days did you play no i did not even see them play they would not let me in i was too young and i should not have played anyway for i promised aunt lucy i would not gray said and miss macpherson replied with startling vehemence that's right my boy that's right never never play for money so long as you live you have no idea what perils lurk around the gaming-table or what an accursed spot monte carlo is beautiful as it is to look at those lovely grounds are haunted with the ghosts of the suicides who ruined body and soul have rushed unprepared into the presence of their maker none of the guests had ever seen miss macpherson so excited and for a moment there was silence while they gazed at her wonderingly as she sat with lips compressed and nostrils dilated looking intently over their heads at something they could not see but which evidently was very vivid to her mrs geraldine was the first to speak and she said half laughingly you are quite as much prejudiced against rouge et noir as your brother for when i told him i tried my luck at monte carlo and won twenty-five dollars he seemed horrified and i think it took him some hours to regard me with favour again yes and he had reason the macphersons have all good cause to abhor the very name of gambling miss macpherson replied hitching her chair a little further away from geraldine as from something poisonous then in her characteristic way of suddenly changing the conversation she said you saw my nephew neil macpherson oh yes mrs gerald replied we saw a good deal of him he is very fine-looking with such gentlemanly manners for a boy i should be glad if gray would imitate him 
and she glanced at her son on whose face a cloud instantly fell miss macpherson saw it and turning to him she asked how did you like neil boys are sometimes better judges of each other than older people did you think him very nice remembering miss macpherson's love for the naked truth gray spoke out boldly no madam at first i did not like him at all we had a fight a fight miss macpherson repeated in surprise as did both hannah and lucy simultaneously while mrs gerald interposed i think gray i would not mention that as it reflects no credit upon you but he insulted me first gray replied and miss macpherson insisted tell it gray and do not omit anything because i am his aunt tell it exactly as it was i want the truth thus encouraged gray began i know i did not do right but he made me so angry it was the fourth of july and we were at melrose stopping at the george inn while mr macpherson's family were at the abbey hotel close to the old ruin there were several americans at our house and because of that the proprietor hung out our national flag it was such a lovely morning and when i went into the street and saw the stars and stripes waving in the english wind i hurrahed with all my might and threw up my cap in the air may i ask why you are making so much noise somebody said close to me and turning round i saw a lad about my own age wearing a tall stove-pipe hat for he was an eton boy his manner provoked me quite as much as his words it was so overbearing and picking up my cap i said why it's the fourth of july and that is the star-spangled banner star-spangled fiddlestick he retorted tapping the ground with the tip of his boot and so you are a yankee i heard there was a lot of them here yes i'm a yankee i replied a genuine down easter and proud of it too and who are you i why i am neil macpherson an eton boy and my father is the honourable john macpherson and my mother is lady jane macpherson he replied in a tone intended to annihilate me wholly but i stood my ground and said oh you are neil macpherson are you and your father is an honourable and your mother a lady well i am gray gerald of boston and my father is an honourable and my mother is a lady too now really you make me larf he cried your father may be an honourable i believe you have such things but your mother is not a lady there are no ladies in america born ladies such as we have in the united kingdom and pray what have you yankees done except to make money that you should all be so infernally proud of your country and that rag pointing to the flag by this time my blood was up and i squared up to him saying what have we done we have whipped johnny bull just as i am going to thrash you under that very flag which you were pleased to designate a rag he saw i meant business and bucked off saying oh but you can't i'm the son of lady jane macpherson you know and you can't touch me we'll see if i can't i answered and then i pitched in and thrashed him till he cried for quarter and i let him go threatening all sorts of vengeance upon me the worst of which was that he would tell his mother and have me arrested for assault and battery that was my introduction to neil macpherson and i am ashamed of it now for i came to like him very much during the recital miss macpherson had laughed until the tears ran down her cheeks a thing very unusual to her while neither hannah nor lucy could repress a smile at gray's earnestness but mr gerald looked very grave and his wife annoyed and displeased i am glad to hear you acknowledge that you are ashamed mr gerald said for i was very much ashamed that a son of mine should so far forget himself as to fight a stranger whom he had never seen before 
but in justice to you i must add what you have omitted which is that you went and apologized to the boy for the affront did you miss macpherson said turning to gray who replied yes and i must say that he received my rather bungling apology better than i supposed he would all right he said offering me his hand i dare say i was a cad to say what i did of your flag but you needn't have hit me quite so hard where did you learn boxing i never learned it i told him it was natural to all the yankees who were born with clenched fists ready to go at it he believed me and said really is that so and then he invited me to play billiards with him and we got to be good friends and he asked all sorts of questions about america and said that our girls were the prettiest in the world when they were young all the english say that and neil had heard it forty times so it was not original with him he said however that pretty as they were his cousin bessie was far prettier that she was a most beautiful little creature and as sweet as she was beautiful bessie miss macpherson exclaimed with a peculiar ring in her voice and a manner of greater interest than she had evinced in gray's recital of his encounter with neil do you mean the daughter of archibald macpherson my nephew and did you see her did you see archie gray coloured and replied no i did not for mother wished to punish me for fighting neil and so when a mrs smithers asked us to spend a week with the macphersons at her home in middlesex i was left behind in london with some friends but i had great fun i went to the tower and the circus and the abbey and the museum and everywhere though i was sorry not to see bessie who with her father and mother was also at captain smithers you saw them then miss macpherson continued addressing herself to mrs gerald you saw archie and his wife and bessie what is archie like i never saw him but i have his wife she was the daughter of a milliner or dressmaker or ballet dancer from wales in the vicinity of bangor or carnarvon i believe carnarvon hannah repeated quickly while a sudden pallor came to her lips and forehead but no one noticed it and geraldine hesitated a little uncertain as to how far she dared to tell the truth and not give offence but she was soon relieved from all uneasiness on that score by miss macpherson who noticing her hesitancy said don't be afraid to tell me exactly as it is for were archie ten times my nephew i would rather hear the whole truth just as gray told it of neil so then what did you think of archie i have an idea he is a good-natured good-for-nothing shiftless fellow who never earned a penny in his life and who gets his living from any one who will give it to him she spoke with a great asperity of manner and then waited for geraldine who replied you have stated the case in much stronger language than i should have done but in the main i believe you are right mr archibald macpherson is one whom you could not possibly mistake for other than a gentleman he is courteous and kind and agreeable but very indolent i should say for he never stands when he can sit and never sits when he can recline indeed his position is always a lounging one and he impressed me as if he were afraid of falling to pieces if he exerted himself just so that is what i thought miss betsy said emphatically he takes it from his father rather than his mother she i believe had some energy and snap she was a chorus singer in some opera and i did not like the match though i now believe she was too good for hugh and now for archie's wife daisy they call her what of her mrs gerald evidently had no scruples about freeing her mind with regard to daisy macpherson and she answered promptly i did not like her at all neither did lady jane and i tried my best to keep aloof from her but could not she is pushing and aggressive and sweetly unconscious that she is not wanted 
and yet she is exceedingly pretty with that innocent kind of face and childish appealing way which women detest but which takes with the men and mrs geraldine glanced sharply at her husband who was just then very busy with his pudding and pretended not to hear her while she went on she has some accomplishments speaks french and german i believe perfectly sings simple ballads tolerably well but rolls her eyes frightfully and is so conscious of herself that she disgusts you i should call her a regular becky sharp always managing to get the best of everything and as she told me herself always having on her list two or three invitations for as many weeks to as many different places but how does she do it miss betsy asked and mrs gerald replied i hardly know nor do the ladies themselves sometimes as in the case of mrs smithers the invitation is genuine and sincere but oftener it is a mere form at which daisy jumps at once thanking the lady sweetly and either asking her to fix a time or more frequently fixing it herself to suit her own convenience she has a most wonderful talent too for getting presents of clothes and jewellery for herself and bessie and that is the way they live for they have no means or at least very little except what she manages to get from the men by filipinas or bets or games at cards and chess where they allow her to win because she almost begs them to let her do so she even got five pounds from my husband on a wager which he did not at first think in earnest and again the black eyes flashed at burton who now looked up from the orange he was peeling and said laughingly yes daisy did me out of twenty-five dollars in the neatest possible manner and would have fleeced me out of twenty-five more if i had not been on my guard against her she got twenty-five pounds out of lord hardy who was a guest at the smithers but he acted as if it were a pleasure to be cheated by so pretty a woman and she is the prettiest woman i ever saw huh miss betsy said again while geraldine continued yes she is pretty with a pink and white complexion blue eyes and golden hair which curls naturally and which she still wears hanging down her back so as to show it to good advantage and she is a woman of thirty no geraldine you are mistaken mr gerald said quickly you forget that she was married at seventeen and bessie is only eight so at the most daisy cannot be more than twenty-six i am glad you know her age so well mrs geraldine retorted i think twenty-six too old to wear one's hair streaming down the back we were all disgusted and especially lady jane whose room was just across the hall directly opposite hers she told me herself that she would never have accepted mrs smithers invitation had she known that adventuress was to be there and yet she was very kind to little bessie indeed no one could look at that child and not love her at once and pity her too for the influence with which she was surrounded yes bessie tell me of her and miss macpherson leaned forward eagerly they pretend she was named for me then why not call her bessie if that is her name would you call a child betsy hannah asked joining for the first time in the conversation no of course not i think it horrid but if i was christened betsy no power on earth could turn me into a bessy but go on and tell me about her and she turned to mrs geraldine who continued she has her mother's wonderful beauty with all its refinement of her father in such a sweet expression that you feel like kissing her her eyes like her mother's are blue but so clear and dark that at times they seemed almost black especially when there came into them as there often did a troubled look when daisy was relating some of her adventures which we knew could not be true 
at such times it was curious to watch the child as she listened with her great wide-open eyes and flushed cheeks while her breath came in short gasps as if she were longing to contradict her mother and this she sometimes did mamma mamma please she would say haven't you forgotten wasn't it this way but a look would silence her and there would settle upon her face and about her mouth that patient sorrowful expression pitiful to see in one so young and her father was he fond of her miss macpherson asked and mrs gerald replied yes very and she of him she seemed to recognize the difference between him and her mother and kept by him most of the time it was a very pretty sight to see her with her arms around his neck and her bright head leaning on his arm while she looked up at him so lovingly and sympathizingly too as they watched the manoeuvres of her mother once i heard her say to him when daisy was flirting more than usual and attracting all eyes to her i shall never do like that but mamma is very pretty isn't she yes darling very pretty he answered and then they kissed each other very quietly i wish you could see bessie it was not often that geraldine praised anything or anybody as she praised this little english girl who had made a strong impression upon her and of whom she might have said more if miss macpherson had not rejoined i did see her once and her mother too i was home three years ago you know and i went to aberystwyth in wales where i heard archie was staying but i did not make myself known to him i was so disgusted with what i heard of his wife's conduct which he allowed without a word of protest but i was anxious to see the child and one morning i sat on a bench on the marine terrace watching a group of children playing near me i was almost sure that the one with the blue eyes and bright hair was archie's and so i called out betsy macpherson are you there instantly she came to me and folding her hands in my lap looked up at me with her wondering eyes and said i am bessie macpherson not betsy weren't you christened betsie i asked and she replied yes but they never call me that it's a horrid name mamma says then why did she give it to you i said and she answered with the utmost gravity for some old auntie in america who has money but she never sent me a thing nor answered papa's letter i think she is mean don't you i did not tell her what i thought of the old auntie though i could not repress a smile at her frankness which pleased me more than prevarication would have done where is your papa i asked and she replied at the queen's hotel but it is awful expensive there and papa says we can't afford it much longer but mamma says we must stay till she finds some place to visit there she is now and that is lord hardy with her they are going over to the old ruins and she pointed to a young woman in the distance bedizened out in white muslin and blue ribbons with her yellow hair hanging down her back and her big straw hat in her hand instead of on her head and she was talking and laughing and coquetting with a short spindle-legged chap not much taller than herself and looking with his light curly hair and moustache like a poodle-dog who did you say he was i asked and the child answered me lord hardy mamma's friend he is very rich and very nice he gives me lots of things and sometimes buys us all first-class tickets and then it is so grand i don't like to go second-class but you see papa is very poor how then can he afford to stop at expensive hotels i asked and she said while a shadow came over her face we couldn't if we didn't have one small room on the top floor where i sleep on the lounge 
i never go to table d'hote but stay in my room and eat whatever mamma can slip into her pocket without the waiter seeing her sometimes it is not much and then i am so hungry but mamma will get us an invitation to visit somebody soon and then i can eat all i want the guests had listened very attentively to this recital and none more so than gray who leaned eagerly forward with quivering lips and moistened eyes as he exclaimed poor little girl how i wish she had some of my dinner why didn't you bring her home with you away from her wicked mother miss macpherson did not reply for there dawned upon her suddenly a fear lest she had talked too much and her manner changed at once while she sank into an abstracted mood and her eyes had in them a far-off look as if she were seeing the child who came to her upon the sands of aberystwyth and looked into her face with eyes she had never been able to forget and which she could now see so plainly though the little girl was thousands of miles away dinner being over hannah said it was time for her to go home and lucy accordingly ordered the sleigh to be brought to the door you will come to-morrow as early as possible hannah said to her brother who replied yes immediately after breakfast for i must go back to boston on the afternoon train i have an engagement for saturday so soon hannah said in a tone of disappointment i hoped you would stay longer father will be so sorry he has anticipated your visit so much it is impossible i have promised for saturday and must keep the appointment and burton gerald leisurely scraped and trimmed his thumbnail, but did not explain that the appointment he must keep was with the members of his club who gave a dinner on saturday he knew very well that he could remain in allington until saturday afternoon and then reach home in time for the dinner but the place was almost as distasteful to him as to his wife and he gladly seized upon any pretext to shorten his stay as much as possible shall i tell father that you will come with burton to-morrow hannah asked her sister who instantly assumed that air of invalidism which she found so convenient when anything disagreeable was suggested for her to do drawing her shawl more closely about her and glancing with a little shiver at the window she replied no i hardly think i shall go out to-morrow it will be so cold and probably stormy but you may expect me for a little while on saturday if the day is fine but i shall come and stay till monday and i hope you have a lot of mince pies baked up last thanksgiving we were in paris and had pea-soup and brains and eels and stewed celery for dinner gray said as he kissed his aunt and bade her good-bye chapters six and seven